Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in Tempe, Arizona. We'll look at it first from a Sun Devil standpoint. They lose 85-67 to the Wildcats. They allowed U of A to shoot 54% from the field. Only shot 35% themselves, and that includes Alonzo Gaffney. Another rough day from three, two of nine. Bobby Hurley, what'd you think of U of A? Yeah, I thought uh, Arizona played a really good basketball game. Uh, and after watching them all year and playing against them now twice, I... I would say in my nine years here, this is most likely the best uh, best Arizona team that I've, that I've faced. So they're uh, a really good team. Now ASU is off for a week. They travel to SoCal with a game against the Trojans for the last time in conference play on Thursday night. Same score, of course, U of A beat ASU 85-67. Started off great, struggled to maintain the lead, but ASU never got back within one possession game. But it stayed kind of close. Kylan Boswell had 17 points before the team pulled away. Ballo went for a double-double of 14-13. and 13. Tommy Lloyd, what would you think about the fact that the second half was pretty nip and tuck a couple times? It, it felt like a close game for sure, and and you know we need we need to be comfortable doing that, and you got to be able to to find a way. And you know sometimes it, maybe it's a play call from me that works, and, and a lot of times that doesn't work. It's players finding solutions, and, and our guys did a good job of finding some solutions in a tough second half. U of A improves to 22 and six before they take their final trip to SoCal in a conference matchup. They take on Oregon. They play the Ducks Saturday at noon in Tucson. D-backs, nice comeback in Goodyear against the Cleveland Guardians. They went 8-6. Tommy Henry looked great. He went three innings without giving up an earned run. Kyle Nelson, no earned run in his one-inning stint. However, the starter was Brandon Fott. He's kind of below average. He started uh, He started and didn't do as well. He went one-inning pitch, had two earned runs. I talked to him after the game, though. He said, just working on some things. They go back to Goodyear tomorrow night to take on the Reds. In between, it's Giants today at Salt River Fields. Ryan Nelson gets the start at 1 o'clock. An FLPA report card came out about all 32 teams. Not good for the Arizona Cardinals. Only five teams ranked as worse with their facilities and ownership. Only two owners worse than Michael Bidwill, who is ranked by Cardinals players as the third worst owner in all of the NFL. However... Jonathan Gannon was one of the coaches that received an A. Now, granted, and half of the league's head coaches got an A, but still good complexity to give Gannon an A from the players. Lots of NFL news. Defensive front seven players take the field today at the Combine. That's exciting. Nicole Hardman says he contacted the Chiefs to kind of say, hey, get me out of here while he was still a Jet, and the Chiefs cut receiver Valdez Scanling, saving $12 million. The break is over. Three home games over the next four days. Frank Vogel, status update. Great. I feel great with where we're at except for health. You know, I just want to get everybody back. But, you know, the goal is to be healthy in April. You know, that's, that's number one goal. So, however long that takes to, you know, to get there and make sure these things are behind us, you know, we're willing to wait. 
Rockets tonight, 7 o'clock. Road trip almost over. Taking on Toronto tonight, 5 o'clock. Two home games left tonight against Texas Rio Grande at 7. And finally, kind of missed the stinger. I was a little late. Uh, The last story today, it's about tongue. Meet Evan Duvander, who loves the Guinness Book of World Records. He read a story about a West Virginia man who actually holds the record for the largest tongue circumference. So what did Evan say? Hey, Mom, you've got a big tongue. (laughs) That right there is Portland-owned Jenny Duvander, who measured and won the largest female tongue circumference. At 5.21 inches around, her tongue is allegedly wider than a pop can on the top. Oh, yeah. Then she said, hey, it might be hereditary because my daughter's got a huge tongue, too. Jenny, just a word of advice. I I wouldn't have advertised that. So at the beginning of every Doug Franz Unplugged, you hear the voice of Sweet Lou. That's Louie Unger, the general manager of Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. It's a real simple story. He's a hardcore listener to the old show. Then saw a tweet one time from me about Unplugged. Became a listener. Joined the Unplugged Army. And then heard me make fun of my own golf game and decided, I think I can help. And then he believed in all of us, in the Unplugged Army as a whole, and became the presenting sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. What does that mean to you? That means incredible benefits if you choose to become a Whirlwind Plus member. I love the Whirlwind Plus plan. I think it's perfect for any member of the Unplugged Army. You can choose $2.99 a year or just $34 a month, and you can save up to 60%. If you've got any questions, just email me, Doug at DougFranzUnplugged.com. Go to WhirlwindGolf.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our Honky Tonk Brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. This is just one of those weeks. And I don't mean that negative. I mean one of those weeks where it is just and then you just feel like you're swimming upstream every day. But you know what? That's also what keeps you alive. Embrace the chaos. Yes, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Yes, yes, yes. I uh, jacked up today just because I feel like I'm getting through it. There's just one of those things when you know it could have been an overwhelming week and you're just finding a way to get through it. 
still so much to do over the next 48 hours but uh even longer than that but i'm excited for the respite and the work that's coming this weekend how about you if if it's if it's today and this week it's one of those crazy i hate this freaking chair if it's one of that just i just tried to move a little bit and it's like an anchor is behind me with these casters that just lock on i i spend Okay, it's eight seconds of my life. I get that. But I spend eight seconds every morning unlocking all of the casters so the thing will roll around and then boom, you, you hear it. Then as soon as I sit down, it takes like two seconds for everything to lock in place. Why have casters? Why? If the chair is just going to lock. I mean, who invents these things? People sit around. I don't understand people that sit around and like don't when they invent something or they recreate something or like apple for an example when they when they update something like it's like they've never used it okay do you realize how annoying it is what you've just done and i would say that to caster people who have put locks on this why have casters then anyway uh i'm jacked up because for you to do the same thing no matter how overwhelming it seems now let's go let's go we'll be able to figure it out as long as we keep going even if you just got to foul off a bunch of pitches, okay? Whatever's happening to you in life right now, if it's not good, just foul off a bunch of pitches and, and stay, stay locked in and wait till that one pitch comes down the middle and then let's go. Then we're ready, all right? So to, uh, this week I'm kind of fouling off some pitches and now um, I, I think I'm going to get a good pitch next. Here's what I mean. Just a lot of stuff going on work-wise, a lot of sales meetings that haven't been productive yet. And, you know, hey, I, I, want, I want the money. Let's go. So I'm, I'm in that kind of mode of, of working for that. Then busy week when you've got ASU, U of A, and you've got a lot of spring training. I've been to a couple of spring training games. Yesterday was kind of insane. I didn't have a credential for last night's ASU, U of A game. So I drove to Tempe, picked up a credential. Drove to Goodyear, went to Diamondbacks and uh, Guardians. Sorry, I'm from Ohio, so it takes a second to say Guardians. And then uh, went to that game, then went home, admittedly took a nap. That was kind of nice. Then drove back to Tempe, went to ASU U of A, got home, was kind of wired from the drive. So then being wired from the drive, now um, I'm up working. Did a whole bunch of stuff until like 1.30. Except I didn't include Izzy on all the work that I did. <laughs> so that was because my bad, Izzy. And, uh, and then I got up, got here, slept in a little bit, got here at about 5.15, something like that. And, uh, and then today, got a lot going on uh, today, a couple meetings. I'm excited to talk to my kid, intern McKenna, might have a, an internship with a team. And her and I are talking about the possibilities of how that's going to work for her career today. It's always fun when your kid says, hey, can I call you tomorrow and talk about life? I'm like, hey, all right, I'm important. Today I am anyway. So uh, I like that. Uh, so that's a big deal for me today. Looking forward to that. And then, uh, then I found out yesterday, don't you hate it? This is, I got to tell you, this is one of the, my biggest pet, my number one pet peeve is anybody in the left lane who doesn't belong. Okay, that's number one. But my number two pet peeve is finding out something I have to do today or tomorrow. When I just find out, like you had all this time to let me know. And now I find out. So it'd be rude of me to tell you what it is. Cause then I'm throwing other people under the bus, but I found out I got, I got something I, I need to do tonight. Now, when I tell you tomorrow, what I did last night, you, you'll kind of figure it out. But 
Uh, you know, I'll make the best of it. I'll make the best of it. So that's tonight. And then uh, tomorrow, uh, long day work-wise, but then fun relaxation for a little bit longer. I'm, I usually don't work all day on a Friday. I shut it down around 11 in the morning, and then I'm on the golf course. Well, fr- tomorrow, I'm working all day. But Friday night, I'm going to D-backs and Reds in Goodyear as a fan. That's awesome. And then waking up Saturday morning, and I haven't done this in, I, I think, in, I know I haven't done it in 2024, and I don't think I did it all during football in 2023. I'm playing golf Saturday morning with my wife. I'm looking forward to that. That'll, that'll, be, uh, that'll be nice. That'll be nice to, uh, to spend that time with her. And then Saturday night and Sunday, all work, all sales work, all basketball work, all combine work, watching all days of the combine. So, uh, man, loaded up, but looking forward to it. Hopefully your weekend and your day and your week so far has been great. Uh, Izzy, what's the highlight of your week? Have you had any highlights this week? Not not yet, at least. Not yet. Okay. I'm still waiting to see if I can get confirmation for the Suns game tonight. But other okay. than that, nothing nothing too crazy. You know what? For those of you that don't know, this is awesome. Izzy plans his schedule around all the Suns games. But because we're still a growing company, the credential itself is something that it's based on space. And so as we're growing WTSMTV.com, eventually... We hope to be big enough that nobody looks at us and says, hey, you, you've got more growing to do before we give you a full season credential. So that's a just if you wanted to know, that's just example number 412, why it's really important to us for you to watch WTSMTV.com to try to become a move up from a basic member to a live member, move up from a live member to a premium member. And then at the same time, it means a lot to me for those of you that continually listen to Doug Franz Unplugged because if you're doing that, then I can go into these teams and say, hey, Izzy's working with Unplugged. Izzy's working with WTSM. Here's the viewers of WTSM. Here's the listeners and the downloads of Izzy's show as well, iOS from one to three. Here's the downloads of Doug Franz Unplugged presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. So th- look, at, look how big these numbers are. And then they'll go, oh, wow, we didn't know it was that big. Okay, here you go, season credential. As we're still growing, it's okay, we do have room for you. Here's a, a, a game credential for one game. And Izzy just basically you know, hopes that he gets it, sits around, finds out, and if he doesn't, watches the game at home and takes notes. If he doesn't, then he's at the game. So I, uh, thanks for your work on that, Izzy. I don't think anybody gives you enough credit for all that you're doing. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, you deserve it. So there's, and then uh, he'll have a rundown for you. Uh, hopefully he's able to go and I'll have a rundown for you tonight. I'm betting you are going to be able to go because it does ramp up as we get closer to the playoffs. More national people start coming in, but it's still the Rockets. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be a, a hard thing to, uh, to get that. So hopefully that happens today for, uh, for Izzy. But I also like your attitude. Hey, any highlights this week? Oh, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, see, that's what we want from all of you in the Unplugged Army. Instead of, it's been a crappy week. No, the highlight hasn't happened yet. So the highlight happens today. I don't know what it yes. is, is it? <laughs> but your highlight happens today. I think that's it on life. I can't, I can't think of anything else. Uh, just get jacked up. Let's go. Let's have a good life. Uh, sound credits today. Sun Devil Source, thank you. Took a ton of Bobby Hurley. I, I, I loved some of the things that Bobby Hurley said, but I bet a lot of people didn't like it. So it's going to be an interesting conversation between you and me on that. I got a story I got to tell you about ASU a little later. You know what? I'll, I'll tell it next in just a second. 
Uh, Tommy Lloyd, we got that from the Wildcats YouTube channel, but I, th- I had to laugh that the Wildcats guy, the, the hallway, I did not see their presser. I was in the Bobby Hurley presser. But the hallway at, at Desert Financial, it's that, that place is a dump. That arena is a dump. And uh, no offense to Desert Financial, if you want to start advertising with us, you're not a dump, just the arena's a dump. But the hallways are about the size of the desk, and all the media is crammed in there. But what I laughed about, that's the official U of A YouTube channel. And when you see, when, you, when we play the Tommy Lloyd stuff for you a little bit later, it's, it's way off to the side, and it's not directly in front of their big U of A banner. So all teams now travel with an advertising banner for two reasons. One, it looks a lot better as long as you don't see the wall behind it. And two, in order to, to get the advertisement out for the people that are paying the big bucks to the school or to the team, whatever it is. Well, the, the U of A Wildcat um, camera guy, he's like off to the side. So you get this weird angle of Tommy Lloyd and you see the crappy wall behind it. So I'm kind of entertained by uh, uh, showing you that. So we got that from, from them. Um, Frank Vogel was from the Suns PR department. And we, we probably took it from Bally Sports, Indiana. I'm, I'm betting the Pacers, right? Even though officially we got it from ESPN.com. Yes, but I, I did credit to ESPN. Okay. That, they, okay. Hey, as long as we're crediting somebody, because okay. that's where we took it. But I bet they took it from uh, um, Bally's, but I don't, I don't know that for sure. You know, speaking of which, before I tell my story, let's get to that. Uh, I, I'm being a total homer, I want to admit it. Obi Toppin went to the University of Dayton. I, uh, I, I will forever be upset about COVID, not only because of what it did, what I shouldn't say what it did, what we allowed it to do to our economy, but also... For what it did to college basketball, oh my gosh, I love college hoop. And one of my favorite teams, the Dayton Flyers, who I grew up watching, would have been a one seed in the 2020 NCAA tournament. They were led by Obi Toppin, former first-round draft pick of the Knicks. He now plays for the Pacers. Tyrese Halliburton with a steal. He notices there's only one person on the break with him. So watch this. One for five shooting in the corner, about a two-second differential game clock, shot clock. McCollum followed Zion down the lane and a breakout for Halliburton with plenty of time. Off the window for Toppin. Oh, my God. Think maybe the Pelicans were looking for a switch, but C.J. McCollum holds on to this one. Miles Turner comes up with a huge block, and there's just a clear runway for takeoff for Obi Toppin. Of course, assisted by Tyree. Come on. That's just fantastic. Doing a layup drill in a live NBA game and then doing it at home. Oh, my gosh. You got to lose your mind. You're up by 16 points that early in the game. And Oh, by the way, that game might come up on versus Vegas today. It may be the only one I got right, but it's coming up. <laughs> that stunk. The other games, uh, that stunk. That was cool, Izzy. I'm glad that you pulled that. Uh, I, I love watching Obi Dunk. He is he's absolutely fantastic. All right. Uh, I think, oh, my story real quick. This is awesome. I, I think we're so lucky to have Kenny Dillingham as a head coach. He was at the game last night, and, uh, and I saw him. I was walking behind the bench. Like, I'm pretty far away from him. He looks right at me. He goes, hey. And that, that's just really cool because he knows the str- – he was, he was actually a hardcore listener during the offseason of the old show. And, uh, and when he would come home, he would listen. And then sometimes he'd even listen online while he, when he was at uh, other positions around the country, just to feel like he was at home. 
And then he actually listened to the four-minute offense a lot while he was at Oregon just to feel close to Arizona because he's an Arizona sports fan, went to Chaparral, and he would text me every now and then while he was at Oregon. I just thought that was so cool that here he is. I, I just, like, I'm going to suck up to Izzy for a second. I love young guys that have the hardcore work ethic that is, hey, what, what do I got to do now at this point in my life to get to here at, at the other point of my life? Izzy is like that. I like to think I was like that. I know Kenny Dillingham was like that. And so he's keeping connected by listening to the four-minute offense. So I have a great relationship with him, and it was awesome to see him. Talked about getting a beer, talked about him coming on the show. So uh, I I enjoyed that. But just the the, the happiness from him. So I asked him, hey, let's get to Whirlwind and let's golf. And he started laughing. He goes, I don't know if I should tell you this, but I will. He goes, I pulled my patella. What, you're a coach? How did he? He goes, and it's a long story, but I... I'm out for six weeks. I can't. I can't do much. Like, oh my gosh! <laughs> so I was at. I just loved his attitude, and it, you could tell the last season was over. I mean, there was like a lift in him. Uh, he, he feels pretty positive. I'm excited to see what he's going to do in spring ball. All right, let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one today is all about the NFLPA and their survey, which is called the report cards. For different teams. Now, the number one story today is, of course, ASU U of A, and we'll get to that. But my number one opinion is the juxtaposition of what the players thought. And it really is interesting to project this to the future, okay? Last year, the organization was ranked second to last. This year, they moved up to fifth to last. Not bad, jumping up to number 27. Still terrible, but not bad. However, the owner himself, Michael Bidwell, was ranked as the worst owner in all of sports. There is the 2023 report card. We uh, Thank you very much for, uh, for that, Izzy. You can go to NFLPA.com, just click on report cards, and they show it for all 32 teams. Then click on Cardinals, and there's a big breakdown, breakdown, breakdown of it. And if you, and if you look at that one, That's 2023. Not bad for team travel, but look at the Fs. And the food F is one of the funniest Fs that they've got. And the reason, and and the weight room F. Now, there's there's another part of that graphic lower that actually shows ownership getting an F as well. The weight room had a floor that they said was dangerous. Players didn't even like walking through the weight room. They were worried about getting hurt. The food was the biggest story of the 2023 report card. The reason why is the Cardinals were the only team in the NFL that charged players for their meals. So you got breakfast and lunch for free. Because, and a lot of you might think, oh my gosh, why did the players expect a free meal? Well, the reason why is this. It's part of their nutrition. These are highly tuned athletes who if you want them at their best, you want them eating. But you want them in a meeting. So if you want them focused in the meeting, you got to have opportunities for them to eat. If you want them focused on opportunities to eat, you need to provide that nutrition. And then every team except the Cardinals, you would have a dietitian set up your dinner meal and the players could, if they chose to, could pick up their dinner meal and take it home. The Cardinals charged you for it. They actually looked at what you were getting for dinner then turned around and took it out of your paycheck. (laughs) I mean, it's just hysterical to think about. 
that nobody told Michael Bidwill that is a stupid thing to do. That we want the athletes to eat our food. We don't want the athletes to get off of their nutrition plan. We want them to be a better, finely tuned athlete than the other team. So why would you discourage them from doing that? Well, now the 2024 report card comes out. And they, according to the NFLPA, stop charging players. That's pretty good. Okay, so we've, we've gotten a big promotion there. The other thing, though, is they said the, the food and cafe moved up from an F to a D. It's still just ranked in 28th place out of 32 teams. And, 20, and here's the reason. They were 25th in freshness. I, I don't know how you finish 25th in freshness. You, you would think that's something not hard. Let's go with 100 Mile Brewing Company. Fresh. It never gets old. Cardinals don't agree with me. They don't agree with 100 Mile Brewing on that one. But that one's a little rough. They got an F in locker room. I'll get to that in a minute. A D plus in family treatment. Now, family treatment last year is an F because they didn't have daycare during games. This year, they said, okay, we've got daycare for little kids during games. We like that. However, they said security wasn't great in the family section. I, I think this is important to say. When you get a D, that's always bad. And when you look at the family treatment, that means all of these other teams are doing better. However, that one can be an inflated stat. You can have a lot of people whining about that. You can have a lot of people that are saying this should be this way because it's my family. Well, if, if your wife, if your mother is an obnoxious fool and she's yelling and screaming all the time and driving everybody else crazy in the section right next to her, and then somebody starts yelling at your mom. Well, now you're upset at Cardinal Security. And now you complain in a survey, Cardinal Security was bad. Well, what, were they bad? Or is your mom a nut and she needs to calm down? You don't tell that about my mother? Okay, hey, listen, I I don't care what you think. I'm just saying maybe it's not security's fault that your mother's always the one getting yelled at by other people. Maybe that's not a security problem. I am not saying that the Cardinals players have nut job moms. I have no idea. I'm just saying it can go both ways on a security uh, ranking. Um, Bad grades for the nutritionists and strength coaches. Good grades for the training staff. Bad grades for the training room. I'll get to that in a minute. Here's my highlight. If you look at that, look at the last two lines. If you're listening to the podcast right now, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, tune in. Hey, thanks for listening. Love for you if you could later on today, flip it to WTSMTV.com. Become at least a basic member so whenever you hear something you like, you can go back and watch it on TV. But when you get to this portion where I'm talking, focus your eyes at the bottom. Head coach, A. Ownership, F. That tells me a lot right there. This is a big deal. Let's start with the negative. Michael Bidwill. According to a deep dive into the survey, it was a scale of 1 to 10. Michael received a 5.8. Amazingly enough, the Chiefs' ownership is ranked worst. And the category that really drags down the Cardinals, and Chiefs got a worse grade despite all the championships, is that the willingness to invest into the product – Players for the Arizona Cardinals feel like Michael Bidwell contributes much more to losing than he does to winning. 
that should really tell you something about Michael. When you think about some of the actions he is ta- that you've heard about over the course of the last five years and specifically what you've heard the last year, when you hear what a tyrant he is over people, the way he treats his employees, and then on top of it, the demands that he has. Do you remember in the last year of Cliff, not Jonathan Gannon, the fit that, that he threw, scolding his players for uh, what he didn't think was a strong enough output from them? And I, I don't know about you, but the whole time I'm listening to that, I'm laughing. That you are that arrogant of a man that you don't even see your own hypocrisy. You don't remotely put in enough time, enough finances, but yet you have the goal to make the demands that everybody else puts everything in. Hey, I demand from you, player, because I'm paying you, give me everything. Yet you as owner, I'm not, I don't want to win bad enough. I want you to win worse than me. Listen, if you're a member of the Unplugged Army, don't let your employer dictate your work ethic. Okay, that is true. However, if you ever get the feeling that your boss wants you, it expects more out of you than they expect from themselves, you've got a bad boss. If it's the owner of the company, if you work for a small company and you feel like that about the owner, you need to find a way out. I mean, that that company is not going to survive because that's the type of person that makes excuses. And that's exactly who Michael Bidwell has been. I always say has been because all of us have an opportunity to change. But that's the definition of an F. For a guy that has the most antiquated practice facility in the NFL, and yet you are standing, I mean, imagine how the players are taking that. They got to be the whole time. Who are you? You know, just, what? fine, blah, 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 blah. They're not paying attention to a bit of it. So that is funny to me that Michael Bidwill has only been able to move up a couple spots and he's now the third worst owner in the NFL, according to the players. Yet, Jonathan Gannon got an A. Now, overall, the head coach, he's ranked only 15th. There were 32 teams in the NFL. So that means Jonathan Gannon was average. But they made a range And I think on a scale of 1 to 10, it's like anything above an 8.5, 8.5, that's considered an A. So that tells you there's still great growth for Jonathan Gannon. But doesn't that, if you're a Cardinals fan, with all the negativity and overcoming bad ownership, your head coach got an A? Man, that is strong. What happens if they actually start treating the players better as an organization on top of it? If they already have that much belief in Jonathan Gannon, this is, to me, an enormous win if you're a Cardinals fan. I'm totally serious. As, as much as I've dogged the Cardinals over the last couple of years, I don't think you can say this enough. Owners think, or excuse me, the players think the owner doesn't do enough to win or doesn't care enough to win, yet they totally believe in the head coach. And part of the rating of the head coach is how does he use your time? And they gave him very high marks on being efficient, meaning we get more out of practice than we used to under Cliff. We get more out of meetings than we used to under Cliff. Things move at a better pace. That's huge. Now, you rarely will ever hear me say this, but in defense of Michael Bidwell, and I think this is important, 
Michael is one that has moved the entire upstairs. All of the business offices are, are leaving the facility. They moved into a different area or a different building. I admit, because I don't get credentialed, I haven't been able to go over there. I don't know what's going on over there. But they, the office staff has been moved. That means the headquarters at uh, Hardy and Elliott are now going to be fully football oriented. And if that's the case, maybe they spread out. Maybe what they do is they take everything downstairs and turn it into one of only two things. That could be locker room and weight room and training room and that's it. And then everything upstairs might be all turned into all meeting rooms. And that'll be your player position rooms. And then you go downstairs for practice and uh, at the locker room and things like that. And the kitchen, everything. If that happens, that facility is still, they're still in the wrong place. And when I say the wrong place, that's still where you can judge Michael Bidwell of why are you still in that space? Go invest in something else. But hey that's a way to make that space work so there's a chance in the next year and a half this ranking for michael bidwell might go up so to be fair let's keep an eye on this but right now i would say he deserves that f and and i'm shocked that he's not number 31 number 32 is the owner of the chiefs and i totally agree with that and that's not a slam on clark hunt the person i think clark hunt's a pretty good dude but he has just hogged the money that's come in and i don't know if anything's changed i admit but it used to be at arrowhead when i lived in kansas city the players would change in a locker very small locker room then they would get in their car and drive across the parking lot. Now, when I say the parking lot, uh, imagine one enormous parking lot that's bigger than the parking lot right now at State Farm Stadium. And you've got to drive all the way to the corner of the parking lot, and that's the practice facility without a locker room. Then you practice, and then you get back in your car and drive back to your locker room all sweaty. That most of the guys would not bring their regular car. They would have a sweat. Now they had the money to do this. They would have a sweat car. <laughs> they would get in some older car, and it's hilarious to see these linemen. Now the linemen would buy an old truck or an old SUV, but they would have this older, beat down car, and they'd use that to drive back and forth. Some of them were so crazy they would leave their car during the week. They had to move their car other times, but they would leave their car during the week. Just let it sit there, and, and then that way I don't have to worry about a car. They would drive their good car to the facility, then take their old car back and forth from locker room over here. That's a mess, okay? Well, maybe Michael Bidwell will change, and maybe it'll be a glorious new facility. We'll see what the rankings do. Here's why I bring that up. The Jaguars were almost as bad as the Cardinals last year in their rankings. The Jaguars spent $120 million on a new facility. Shad Khan, the owner, went from one of the worst to fifth place. The players of Jacksonville, a, 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 little annoyed at the daycare situation on game day. Other than that, a, 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 Shad Khan blew them away by doing this and he bought land in downtown to be right there in the heart of jacksonville now think of matt ishbia matt ishbia 
has a brand new practice facility. Robert Sarver built that right after COVID. We're talking about, I th- this is off the top of my head, give me a little room, but it opened in like 2021. It's a brand new facility. Matt Ishbia comes in, this isn't enough. Boom. That's, that's, this isn't good enough for a championship team. And he is investing over $100 million into the South Phoenix part of downtown. Not South Phoenix, quote unquote, but the South part of downtown to build a new practice facility that he considers championship quality. So it took Matt Ishbia months, days to figure out he needed more and then a couple months to get the plan together. When you look at, I kind of had a lot of explaining to do. I just realized I never just said, here's Doug's big one. So Doug's big one. Now Doug's big one is look at what Jacksonville did. Look at what Matt Ishbia did, is doing. And now look at Michael Bidwell. A lot of people are going to give Michael Bidwell credit and say it's about to change. He's about to make these changes and create a better practice facility. Okay, but you're still just removing some deck chairs around. It's still look at what it takes to compete at what Jacksonville is doing. Do you realize the Arizona Cardinals can't dream as high as Jacksonville? And then look at what Matt Ishby is doing this quickly. Michael Bidwell had this whole time to be able to make a better facility. The stadium, State Farm Stadium, opened in 2007. I... Uh, 2006, actually. I believe there should have been enough revenue coming in with the valuation of franchises skyrocketing over the years that that money could have been used. You could have sold off some shares, sold off a little control, and used that money to buy a championship-worthy practice facility. You chose not to because you wanted the power, because you want to be the almighty Michael Bidwell. I think that's not the way to run a franchise at all. And I totally believe he deserves this F rating and should keep getting Fs until there's enough change. One thing I hope the players don't do, I hope the players don't give him great A's next year or the year after if they upgrade the facilities just because it's better than a hellhole, okay? Just because – still be legitimate. If it's the 20th – if they go from 32 to 20 in best facility, I still hope it's a D rating. Don't judge how much better it is than the old one. Judge it compared to what the Vikings have, what Jacksonville has, what teams that truly want to compete. Now, I realize you might laugh because you say, wait, the Chiefs have one of the worst? They've won championships. Doug, I just care about Super Bowls. I get it. I totally get it. However, you got to start with what you control. And we all know when you have Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, you've got an advantage over everybody irrelevant of ownership, right? Are you with me on that? Um, that does it for Doug's big one. I, I hope there's change. There's a great opportunity here to do something uh, about this. And the small thing is the fact that there was change. Michael Bidwell did stop charging for players. He did fix the floor in the weight room. He did spend a little bit of money, and they upgraded in certain areas. So at least he took the survey somewhat seriously. But you can tell by the grades in total, not enough. He's still number 30 in an owner out of 32, according to the players, at willing to invest into his own team. That means he doesn't believe in us as a fan base. I don't believe in you enough as a fan base to generate the revenue for me to be able to do this. Number two, it means money is always more important than competing. 
That's why you're not Jerry Colangelo. Jerry Colangelo believed in all of us so much. It was, I'm going to invest at the team at a level other people say is unhealthy because we're going to win and because I believe in you and then you're going to come support me and then I'll be able to pay and be able to keep building and building and building. Matt Ishby is doing the same thing for us. That's nice. That's really good. All right, coming up next. It is the number one story, so let's get to it. ASU, U of A, what's coming for both of them, and what happened with ASU in another loss. I'll explain it next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. We're presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, and the show is live on TV on the home of the Rowers, six-time world champion, on the home of the Tucson Sugar Skulls. This is WTSMTV.com. That's kind of a butchered clothes on. Of course, as you know, because of the orange juice and the beer I drink, I am a picture of health. However, intern McKenna and Jennifer used to get sick all the time until we bought an air scrubber from Parker and Sons. Call 6022 Repair and ask about an air scrubber. It actually removes some of the germs, viruses, and allergens from even the surfaces of your home. I have zero idea how this thing works. Don't ask me. I'm not the expert. But I know that hospitals use them. I also know at first Parker and Sons, they didn't truly believe it either. So they bought one, installed it in their home just to test it, to make sure that this is a worthwhile product that deserves the name Parker and Sons. They're thrilled with it. And that's why they offer them to you. And that's why I have them in my home. Call 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Glad you're here. Thanks for being a part of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Us, this chair, still jacked up about, <laughs> it just drives me crazy. Uh, still jacked up about next week when we start our newest advertiser, Santan Ford. Really excited. Thanks a lot to uh, to Tim Hovick for everything that, uh, that uh, you're doing for us. I mean, just the fact that you believe in the Unplugged Army the way you do. I want to give a free plug now to really get this in your mind starting next week and the weeks to come of how simple their mobile service department is. Imagine you need an oil change and you are a hardcore blue collar guy. Okay. If you're a hardcore blue collar guy, you might be thinking, I I'm never going to get that type of rich man service or something like that. Or if you're on a job site, man, do you work hard and you don't have time to sit at a dealership and get an oil change. Call up or go online to SantanFord.com and go to the, and look up the mobile department. And then what they do is they come out to you 
So imagine how simple that is. They come out to you, you give them the keys, boom, they work on the car, they take care of the oil change, they top off your fluids, then you pay, they're gone. Hello? Now everything got taken care of, you're focused at work. And if you are a hardcore white collar guy, well then I'm sure in your mind you're thinking, I make more money sitting here at work than I do if I'm over there sitting or if I'm driving around to a dealership to get an oil change. Well, keep making the money. Keep making that money. Good job. Okay? There, there's no, the unplugged army does not judge social class. Congratulations where you are. Great. You've earned this. Have them come over so you can keep working. It doesn't matter where you are on the socioeconomic scale. It just makes sense to keep going. And if you've earned golf, if you've earned a vacation, if you've earned a day, have them come over to the house, drive up to the driveway so you can play in the pool, do whatever you want. Hey, go to the game. Tell them where your car is at the game. They probably don't. They probably can't get inside a parking garage. <laughs> that, that might be a little tricky. But you, you see what I mean? Take the other car and have the one leave it left at home for the oil change. There's just ways to make it work for you. And that's what Santan Ford is all about. So I, I would try to jump on letting them earn your business if you could. Uh, Izzy, let's go to uh, ASU U of A. Let's look at it from an ASU standpoint and a U of A standpoint. Um, first off, this game, to me, I, it was really frustrating. And let me tell you, I only blame Bobby Hurley, the coach. I give him 15% of the blame of this game. You, they lost uh, 85-67. You might say, wait a minute, they lose by 18 points. They got shelled by 45 points, and you only blame Bobby Hurley 15%? No, that's not what I said. I blame Bobby Hurley, the coach, 15%. I'll go as high as blaming Bobby Hurley, the general manager, 80%. And I'm not trying to make a joke here. It's just in college, you're the head coach and the general manager. For the talent at U of A to be that much higher than the talent of ASU, that is on the quote-unquote GM who just happens to be the coach, okay? The, the talent, when I went to that game and just, like you can watch on TV and you know U of A's better, but when you watch it in person, it's just stark, the talent difference between ASU and U of A. It is even, it, it's not remotely close, so therefore, that's on recruiting and that's on Bobby Hurley not doing as well as Tommy Lloyd. So that's number one. Full disclosure, I get the limitations, okay? When you have a, an athletic director like Ray Anderson and an arena like Desert Financial and a president like Dr. Crow, you're not going to be that's you're not going to be able to succeed very well. However, I would think if there's anybody in college basketball who's going to ignore any other limitations put on by an organization by, by the program above. It's going to be Tommy Lloyd, isn't it? Like, okay, wait, Doug, you're saying bad things about Dr. Crow. We have this huge deficit with, with, with our school, and I got to recruit around that anyway. It's not like McHale is this beautiful panache of an arena. either. I don't know what the word panache means, but this beautiful arena either. And then on top of that, well, I, I, you know, we, we didn't have an athletic director for a little while. They fired the athletic director, and it's not like the Board of Regents is ready to sign off on every new contract so aren't i dealing with some stuff so yes yes you are however let's go to the 15 percent that i put on the coach in watching 
them in the first half. The way the press area works is we are in a corner. So for the first half, I see ASU's offense outstandingly well. And then in the second half, I see ASU's defense really well. And in that first half, a lot of you might think Bobby Hurley calls bad plays. A lot of you might think Bobby Hurley, you know, this is simple what I was seeing. You're in the middle of, you're at the end of February, February 28th, not today, but last night. You're at February 28th and you still have guys looking at each other for just a second trying to figure out where are you going to go. How does that happen? That's, that is a combination of either not doing a good job recruiting and being able to uh, get high basketball IQ guys or on the flip side, not coaching them well enough by February to know what they're doing. The pace of the offense, like I saw the sets that they're trying to run. Okay, I see either Coach or Frankie Collins. Collins, I don't know why he sounded like that. Frankie Collins, I saw what they were trying to do. And the concept against whatever defense U of A was doing was a good concept. So imagine you have a football coach that a lot of people say, oh, that's a terrible play call, terrible play call. Well, how do you really do you know the game well enough to say that? Maybe the play call was good against that defense, but the players didn't really run their route hard. The players weren't open because they didn't run hard or they didn't know where they were going. Maybe the quarterback didn't trust the receiver to know where he's going. Maybe the receiver messed up two straight routes. So now on the third route of the game, he gets it right, but the quarterback's not sure. So he waits one more second to make sure that guy gets in the right spot. Well, by the time the guy got in the right spot, or by the time the quarterback believes, okay, he's going where he needs to go. Well, by that time, somebody's already covered him. Somebody's already come into that zone or come into that space, whatever. So therefore, that's technically the quarterback's fault, but can you not understand why he was a little hesitant? I bring that up because watching ASU's offense, oh my gosh, was it slow. Not just the simplicity of, man, five seconds left on the shot clock, you're still outside the three-point line. I mean, somebody jogs over to set a screen. The guard waits till it's set, then decides to move. And it's a selfishness, too. It's, why should I make that cut hard? I'm not going to get the ball. The amount of selfishness it takes to think like that is a detriment to any program. I'm not going to cut hard because I'm not going to get the ball. Well, that's selfish two ways. One, you might be right. So why isn't the guy passing the ball, whoever has it? Number two, it's so selfish not to cut hard because then your cut is either going to get you open or get a teammate open. So now you're not thinking about what's best for the team. You're selfishly thinking, since it doesn't benefit me, I'm not going to do it. And then finally, five seconds left, they chuck up a shot. And then a lot of people will say, oh, that stinks because they missed the shot. The point is to use an offense that gets you easier buckets. Not five seconds left, I'm running one-on-one. That was a real negative of the first, I would say, eight minutes of the game. So then the final 32 minutes of the game, ASU did okay. Not good, but they did okay. 
may be good enough to win. I assume if it would have been a closer game, U of A would have done more things later. U of A would have played harder later. So I don't want to say, up oh, if ASU would have just played better in the first eight minutes, they would have won. That's, a, that's like acting like U of A's not there. That was my real frustration. It's 5% on the players for being selfish, but that's mostly on a GM of a team bringing in selfish guys or a coach not getting that selfishness out of them. Now, if Bobby Hurley was here, I tell you, our friendship might be over. He might be so I want to give I want to give you his side of what I just said. He would be so irate at what I said, calling his players selfish. But I, I, to me, Bobby, actions speak louder than words. I can understand if they're sitting in your office or some of the best kids you've ever met. I can understand if it's you one-on-one talking to them in practice. You believe in them. I love that about you. But sometimes you can see things when you are removed better than you can see things when you're close. And that's what I saw in the first eight minutes of that game. I am not accusing any of their players of being bad people. There is a huge difference. Sometimes as a kid, you're too immature to know you're being selfish. You don't understand that that's selfish. But that's what that was. And they deserved to lose yesterday. Here is uh, Bobby Hurley when he's asked... Um, or he did, didn't get asked a question. He just walked in, sat down, and here we go, and told us what he w- just went through. Uh, you know, I thought Arizona played a really good basketball game. Uh, and after watching them all year and playing against them now twice, I, I would say in my nine years here, this is most likely the best, uh, best Arizona team that I've, that I've faced. So they're uh, a really good team. And... Uh, so they deserve the credit for, you know, for outplaying us in this game. Now, I can tell you, I was really watching Bobby in the pregame. They had the ceremony for senior night, and there's his two daughters, there's his wife, and there's his son coming out. And uh, Bobby Hurley Jr. on senior night, that really got to Bobby Hurley Sr. It really, really got to him. You, you, could, you could totally tell that it got to him. I don't think it got to him as a coach, though. I I think he still gave you all he had. It was just not – this is the type of game that you lose in recruiting and the type of game that you lose by not getting your team on the same page between, you know, August – I would say September and the end of February. I don't think you can look at that game if you really know basketball and say Bobby Hurley got out coached last night. Like there, It wasn't like Tommy Lloyd invented new offenses or Bobby Hurley couldn't figure out how to match up. That, you know, that, it wasn't outcoached for a night. It was outprogrammed for a year and a half. It was outprogrammed. That's still on Bobby Hurley. Please don't take that as if I'm saying, oh, get off Bobby Hurley. You know, No, 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 it's the exact opposite. Get on Bobby Hurley. Just get on him for a different reason than the basic, oh, he got outcoached. No, he didn't actually get outcoached. He got outprogrammed. Okay, in this game. Now, you could say he got out coached if you're, well, you could say whatever you want. I'm not a dictator. <laughs> Who am I to tell you what you could say? But I don't believe you're correct if you say he got out coached last night. But I would have to agree if you said he's been out coached this year because he didn't have them prepared to play winning basketball. I would agree with that. So the first question. I got to give Bobby Hurley credit. I, I, it was asked by a student. I thought it was a ridiculous. Like, what does that question even mean right now? 
And yet Bobby Hurley just had a fantastic answer. And look at, if you're watching on WTSMTV.com right now, really look at his face when he says the first two words. Because the answer doesn't apply to the question at all. He doesn't really answer the question till the end of the answer. But the question was, what does this rivalry mean to you? I'm exhausted right now, so uh, it's uh, it's there's more to it. There was a lot of a lot of subplots today, and just uh, the emotion of the day for me personally was uh, not the, not the easiest uh, thing to navigate with uh, regards to, to to you know all the seniors, particularly uh, you know Jose is just you know, one year short time, but just a warrior who gave. Uh, he gave us everything he's got every time he steps out on the floor, just plays as hard as he can, the best way he knows how to play. Uh, Gaffney has been good good to me and a uh, big part of an NCAA tournament team. Nice kid, great kid. Wouldn't trade him for for anybody, uh, really. And he's uh, the type of kid that I want in the program. He's got a, a great heart. So, uh, and then obviously Bobby goes without saying what what he means to me. He's uh, you know, forget about you know winning basketball games and making shots or winning a championship or breaking an assist record. That that means nothing. He's he's a far better human being than I am. So that's you know all that that I could hope for. So uh, when you add all that into the mix of playing a team like Arizona and what the game means to you know our fan base then it's uh it's the ultimate level of uh, of disappointment but uh, certainly i i have to give credit where credit is due and in my opinion they are you know a a very loaded team that uh has a chance to to do a lot of damage uh the rest of the way there's a lot to dive into there as frustrated as I am as a fan and analyst with the season of ASU, I do want to say how much I respect the person that is Bobby Hurley. I know at first you might be thinking, I don't like it that he started off by saying that all the you know the championships don't matter. And I'm like, what do you mean? That's why we're here. He's talking about his own life. Life. That being the greatest assist man in the history of college basketball – that doesn't matter compared to being the coach of those human beings. That's really cool. That shows his depth as a person. When he says, I'm exhausted, there's two ways to take it. I take it the positive. You might not. Because there is a line to say, hey, we don't need an exhausted coach. All right? We don't need a coach that just can't handle the emotions of his own kid playing for him. We can't handle, you know, and I, under, I actually understand if that's where you go. I don't, though. I would like to think I know Bobby Hurley well enough to know that what he meant by that is being exhausted is because there's so much emotion in being having a losing season. I think he's exhausted because he expected so much more of himself this year. I think he knows he failed as a coach this year. And he is such a competitor that it's overwhelming anger and then it's also overwhelming almost sadness because I let down these kids. Sure, he let down the community, let down the fans, alumni, boosters, blah, blah, blah. 
But when you're in the arena, you care about those kids. And I think that's his feeling as a coach. And I really respect that. I hate to say it. I agree with him if that's his feelings. You did let down those kids. You did have a bad season as a coach. But I really respect that you know it. And that's what I think he meant when he said, I'm exhausted. Now, then he listed the players. Perez is a warrior. I love him. Great. The third one, Bobby Hurley's a better human being than I am. That's, wow, that's awesome. I mean, that's that's awesome. Full disclosure, I feel the same way about my kids. I am so blessed to have great kids. And for those of you that are parents that you know it deep down inside, maybe your kids aren't great kids, man, keep going. Keep going, okay? Your message will get through, okay? I, I've seen people that are just terrible people through their teens and 20s, and something happens. For me, it's usually religious. I believe that God will find you. And then the, the, the messages that you kept trying to give resonate finally when they're 30. Don't give up, okay? Keep going. That doesn't mean be somebody that actively helps them, okay? Don't placate them all right, in any way. Still hold your ground, hold your morals, be strong. But at the same time, don't give up. I can't. It's really easy for me to say that because I've got good kids, right? That's easy to say. And I don't have any idea what your life is like, but man, keep going. Because I, I promise you, you're going to resonate with them and eventually they'll realize you were right. Okay, keep going. But I, I love that Bobby Hurley said that. The Gaffney thing, however, that's the one... That's the one that interests me a lot. If I can do a deep dive on Alonzo Gaffney. Alonzo Gaffney went two for nine from three yesterday. One of the threes he hit, the game was in hand. U of A's got it one, completely uncontested. That three meant nothing. Easy to hit an uncontested three in a game that, at the end of a game when it doesn't matter. That's a no pressure three, that's a practice three. So, yes, I'm taking credit away from that one. He went one for eight. That put him at 12.5% from three. Alonzo Gaffney is almost seven foot tall, and he shot one for eight from three. Alonzo Gaffney in the Pac-12 ranks in the top. I haven't looked it up in a week and a half, so give me a little bit of room here. He ranks in the top seven in three-point attempts in the entire conference. Top seven. He doesn't rank in the top 50 in three-point field goal percentage. Why is he shooting that many threes? When you're in the top seven in attempts, you're a volume three-point shooter. Bobby, I thought it was really eye-opening when you praised Alonzo Gaffney, the kid. But I got to tell you, of course he loves you because you let him shoot all the time all the time just those are analytics those are hardcore facts i shouldn't say hardcore they're loose facts based on what i remember a week and a half ago <laughs> look at me <laughs> that, that's a dance move right there top seven in attempts not top 50 in percentage you gotta tell them no you gotta tell them that's not your shot that is not a shot we want from you stop taking it when you start hitting it at a higher percentage, then we can do that. I'll give you that shot in November. I'll even give you that shot in December. You haven't earned to take that shot in January. Sorry, not there. 
So now you're a three-point shooter at the end of the shot clock. When we get down to eight seconds in the shot clock, if you've got the ball and you're open for three, I got to live with it. Okay, I didn't do my job as a coach in the first 25 seconds of the shot clock to get us a better shot. Then you can take it. But hey, you've you've had your attempts. It didn't work out. You got to work harder in the gym. And Bobby likes to say, hey, I've seen him make it in practice. I don't care what you do in practice. I don't care. Practice is practice, man. It's not the game, not the game. The game is the pressure. All right? The game is what matters. He can't hit it in a game. Those are turnovers for you. If you want to look at the stats, U of A had 15 or had 14 turnovers. ASU only had eight. That's not bad. That's actually better than not bad. That's good. However, those seven missed shots, those seven missed threes, that one for eight, those were so bad. Those are turnovers. Seven plus eight normally 15. Now you've turned the ball over more than they did. So many threes early in the shot clock by a team that's not good enough to make them. Not good decision making. And we're in February and we're still taking shots like that. That's, I just thought that was interesting the way he praised Alonzo Gaffney. So I want you to hear that, man, we're dogging a good kid. Yes. But I'm not blaming Alonzo Gaffney for shooting those threes. I'm blaming the coach for thinking that's either A, a good shot, or B, not holding him accountable for taking a bad shot. Alonzo Gaffney shooting threes is not the path to consistent victory. You might get hot for a game, but it's not the path to a good season. Now, the next one from uh, Bobby Hurley. I thought this was interesting. It's just kind of, hey, deal with it. We played a Final Four team. I felt like, you know, being down 14 was sneaky good for us, um, knowing we had possession of the ball, uh, knowing that we took a lot of, a lot of, settled for a lot of jump shots early in, in the first half and, and couldn't really get anything done around the basket. And I think when I used the timeout, it was like 28 to 12. And, and, and I think it got to 30 to 12. Or, but, but like we played basically even the rest of the way for the last 30 minutes. But we just had to clean things up. And, you know, it's, you can't, we can't have turnovers against them. That, that should be points. We can't have points taken off the board for us and go the other way to them against a team like this. It's, they're just too good at the team. What was sticking in his crawl there, and I don't remember when it happened. I'm going to ballpark it around the eight-minute mark, seven-minute mark, something like that in the second half. ASU down by six, get a steal. They're about ready to be down by only four. They got a layup upcoming. The ball gets stripped. U of A turns it right around into a long pass and a layup at the other end. It's, it is a, the definition of a four-point switch. Six-point deficit for ASU about to become four. Instead, it becomes eight. One steal. They really, when he said you can't turn it over against them, they really didn't turn it over except for the bad shots. Now, he said right there we settled for a lot of jumpers in the, in the beginning of the game. He's 100% right. I love the fact that he's saying that. But here's what I don't understand. It's been like that all year. Like, you, you, there's been times this year, Bobby, where you've said, hey, we just didn't hit shots. Okay, you didn't hit shots. You were settling then. So what's the difference between, well, we just didn't hit shots 
at the beginning of February and we were settling. Settling is a great term in basketball. Nobody really dives into that term. What that means is we stopped working for a good shot and just chucked it up. If you've ever played one-on-one against somebody that's better than you and you're not a competitive person, what happens is, is you almost quit. Like, okay, the only way I'm here, fine. I don't want to try to drive on you. I, I'm tired. Boom. And you just throw it up and you hope it goes in. That's not basketball. Hope is not basketball. The first eight minutes of this game, the Sun Devils played on hope. I hope this goes in. That's settling. And man, if it was like the first big game and it's early January and ASU does this, I'm really supporting Bobby Hurley. I'm sitting here uh, at WTSMTV.com on the Group W bench, and I'm, I'm looking at you going, you know what? Give them a break. They're going to learn from this. They're gonna, I mean, I would be Mr. Positive. For a February 28th game, I'm going, why are they still settling? It's February 28th. Let's go. That, it really bothered me last night, the beginning of that game. And uh, then, because he started off saying this is the best U of A team he's seen in nine years, good question from a member of the media was simply, why are they this? Why are they the best team you've seen out of Tucson in nine years? What do they do right? You know, it's, I'm sure it's there, like in the, under the right conditions. And, um, but to be honest, like Arizona is, is better than we are right now. You know, and that's, uh, you know, we certainly uh, cut it to six a couple times, four one time, I believe. We just never could, could put enough game pressure on them or get it to where we, you know, had a lead. And it, we just, we got close, but we could not, couldn't get over the hump. To answer that question, I think it's, uh, it's reflective of all the things we were incapable of doing, like particularly in the first half that forced us to chase. And, you know, again, missing jump shots too frequently, not attacking the basket um, and, and not being able to rebound successfully uh, throughout the course of the game. Then somebody else went into why is this the best team? Because the last one, it was a little bit more about, and I, I got my questions mixed up. It was a little bit more about, you know, U of A being better, but why were you not able to have the 40-minute game and you had a 32-minute game? And then, I, like I said, I got the order wrong. Then the guy follows up because he talked about U of A being better. And he goes, well, wait, what, what is the separation? Exactly what I said before between previous teams and this U of A team. Because they have great bigs, they have uh, they have a good system. How they move the ball, they have uh, they put pressure on you because they can shoot. They have guys that can drive uh, when they're locked in, and engaged. I thought they were uh, they were engaged on defense, especially the first first uh, twelve minutes or so into the first half. You could see that you know they have the makings of, of something that's really pretty good. Now this would this one was a little weird. This is the last question and. It was asked by a member of the media that doesn't ask great questions, but Bobby is always very congenial and gives great answers. I don't believe in moral victory at the Division I level. And Bobby was asked about, do you feel like this is a moral victory? Do you feel like when you go from a 45-point beatdown to a game that stayed relatively close throughout that your guys you know, really showed character? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that anytime that you 
lose the way we did at Arizona and then you're down 25 to Washington in, in your own building and, and you fight all the way back to, to overtime and you lose. And that's another setback. And then what do you got? You're playing the team that's in first place that just beat Arizona. And what do you do? You, you know, you circle the wagons and you go compete. And they did it. And uh, I thought they had opportunities to, to back out of this game and they didn't. So although we're not having a, 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 a fantastic season, you know, <laughs> I mean, there are teams that are freaking brutal. Right. They just they stink and they've given up and they don't compete. And that's not what your team is doing. Now, I know we're all disappointed. We just lost to Arizona, no one more than me. But we might need a dose of reality and just realize that you know, Arizona's really good. We didn't play anywhere near to an A, A-plus game, which was totally necessary. And there, there's a lot of freaking bad teams in college basketball. And our players have competed through a lot of adversity this year, and they haven't quit. So I'm, I'm happy with my team. I want to tell you, if Bobby Hurley was a high school coach, I would go off on any parent that wanted to move on from him. I mean, if, like, if we were at like some school board meeting right now, and Bobby Hurley said that at the end of a disappointing season and a loss to our rival. And there's people out there that don't want him molding the minds of high school students that don't want I mean, I would go nuts. Are you kidding me? I would just be going crazy. Look, you're right. There's terrible teams out there. We're not terrible. <laughs> and I would be, but I would love it because I want a team. Yes, I want to win. But I want to make sure every student that leaves my high school, if I'm the principal, if I'm the superintendent, that I am putting kids out there in the world that don't quit. We have way too many kids that can't handle the adversity of life because adults want to run around and save them from adversity. Or every time you don't have what you want, it's not your fault, it's somebody else's fault. That is the crappiest way to raise people. And we're doing it all over our country now. We have become a country full of excuses of why we're not where we want to be as an individual. Because we want to be more successful so it's somebody else's fault. Or so entitled. I deserve this. So it's okay for me to go into debt massively to get it. I'm not talking about debt to save your family. I'm not talking about debt because your car, you know your car is bad, and it's the only way that you can put you know, food on the table, and you're sacrificing. You know what? The car, I, this is what I got to do, and I got to figure out, I got to figure it out later. Man, God bless you. You know, God bless you. But the other people that are entitled to think, hey, I want that car, so I'm just going to spend myself into debt to get it and then be mad because I'm in debt. Be blaming other people. Boy, who thought I was going here today? That stuff is a huge problem right now in our country. And if Bobby Hurley, the high school coach, is saying, I'm proud of my team, we don't quit, we do this, I'm saying, yes, yes, yes. But Bobby, you're not a high school coach. Yes, college kids need to learn those same things. Absolutely.
Yes, I want you to have shown your kids how to handle adversity. All of that stuff. But at the college level, I also want to win. And I expect to win. I'm not pretending to be the athletic director. There's a huge difference between AD and principal. And as an athletic director, it's not enough for me to have you happy because your kids didn't quit. This is a program that right now combined is 60 points worse than U of A. 60. I understand more than anybody, I feel like, maybe not, but more than anybody, how handcuffed you are being the head coach of ASU. Minimal support from the fan base, horrific sport from the athletic director who actually backs boosters who want to touch people's wives that aren't his own more than he wants to support the actual women. Okay, that's your former athletic director. Then you have a president that actually says, oh, this arena, this arena doesn't affect anything. This arena isn't why we struggle, that he's that blind. Okay, it's not easy to be the head coach of Arizona State. But there aren't enough excuses to be 65 points worse than your rival on the season, be a below 500 team, and then say, you know, I'm proud of my team. I love that about you. I love that about you. That's a bunker mentality that it's us versus the world. I get it. I know why you fell into that bunker. I know why you feel like that. But, Bobby, this, this season wasn't good enough to stand on the hill and say I'm proud of my team. Maybe I'm proud of my guys. I needed to do better. There's a little bit of a difference there. But I, 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 I disagree with that. All right, let's look at it now from a U of A standpoint. All right, U of A, U of A a winner, 85-67. Shot 54% from the field. I thought, you know what? Maybe I'm not done with ASU. When you think about tough coaching, have you seen the way, if you're a U of A fan, you'll know. Maybe if you're an ASU fan, you could care less about it. Tommy Lloyd has been all over Boswell most of this season. All over Boswell. Last night, Boswell had 17 points. The ASU defense on Caleb Love was actually good. Okay, all, all the ripping I've just given ASU, they had a wonderful game plan against Caleb Love, who beat him up. Boswell. Why? Getting through the adversity and the hard coaching. He took the hard coaching from Tommy Lloyd, and then he had a great game. That's good stuff. Tommy Lloyd uh, was asked about this game and the fact that even though the final score doesn't look like it, man, it felt like, especially through all the second half, that was a close game. For sure. Well, we knew it was going to be a hard game. Um, I'm, I'm happy we got out to a good start. And, uh, you know, but we knew, I, I, I mean, I knew they were going to respond in the second half. But, you know, you're always thinking that as a coach. I was just hoping we could come out and hit first in the second half and maybe, you know, extend our lead a little bit. And then, you know, just really test them. But it, it didn't happen that way. And I thought our guys did an incredible job of kind of managing a little bit of chaos in that second half. By the way, I feel this in, in, in my gut. And I got to say it, even though I've moved on to U of A. I would not fire Bobby Hurley. And I'm not going to argue with any of you if you would. (laughs) You know what I mean? I understand. If you say that's enough, I I think you've got enough ammunition. Okay? A lot of people jump to that too. It's time to fire, you know, and everybody, okay. Usually I'm the guy, calm down. Okay? I'm not going to tell you to calm down. 
If you think it's time to fire Bobby Hurley, I'm not going to tell you to calm down. But I do want to say, I want to have one year with a normal athletic director. One year. Can I have one year with a good athletic department? I say good, not trying to rip the people that are there, but there's no way they can be good with the leadership that they had. No way. Can I have one year of Bobby Hurley with a good athletic director? And then can we see growth? Okay. That's, that's, what, that's what I would ask of you. Because I do still believe in Bobby. But I admit, as I look at the camera, Bobby, you lost for the same. Every, every game that was lost was about the same reason. <laughs> Something's got to change. We got, you better go out and recruit a big. Teach people how to box out and rebound. Don't always say, hey, we don't rebound well. Don't just fall in love with the guard you logo and think that that means we don't have to play big at all. Recruit some bigs. Educate bigs. Actually show the world that a big can come to ASU and grow and get better. And get better players, and then don't settle. Teach kids what's a good shot, what's a bad shot. Make kids earn the right to be free swingers, okay? Opinion. You'll always know more about the game than I do, and if you coach against me, you'd win by 100. Not telling you what to do because I know better. I'm telling you what I think you should do because I can see where it's going is not good. Difference. All right, back to U of A. This was interesting. Um, Tommy Lloyd was talking about something, and I want you to see if you pick pick up on it. That that was kind of squirrely for him in this game. I mean, we, we, you know, we always talk about transition defense, and and you know, I mean, it, it, you don't want to turn the ball over, but that happens, and when that happens, you have to have a response. So to get back, I think we had a big one where we went down there and, ma- and made a strip, and uh, and that kind of came down an offense. I don't know if we scored or not, but I mean, it was a it was a big turn of events for sure. He's talking about that play I already mentioned, strip on an open layup for ASU, turned it into an open layup for U of A. Um, fast break points 18-7 to 7 in favor of U of A. That's a huge thing on the transition defense. You could tell ASU was scared of that good backcourt. They did not pressure like they had in some previous games. And then I mentioned rebounding. Second chance points 15-5 to for U of A. In the paint, which is usually both second chance points. Not always. Sometimes you tip it out for three. But in the paint, 44-20. to Just got annihilated. Now that is easy to think, well, they've got bigs. They've got Ballow. Yes, that's true. Ballow pounds it inside. You get points. That's points in the paint. But points in the paint include anybody that scores in there. So think about the penetration of the guards. They got inside and got into the belly of the ASU defense. How often did you see a guard in the paint offensively for Arizona State? (laughs) Three times? You know, I mean, it wasn't very often. And if they did get it, it was because they got a rebound but then backed it out because they knew they couldn't get off a shot. This is the famous Tommy Lloyd uh, statement that he he owns this statement and he's done a good job owning it this is one of those statements where everybody loves you forever you're the coach forever he was talked about how loud the building got at times with the u of a chant on the road you know some some programs have fans we have followers you know i mean our, our fans are one of us and, um, and, and, you know, no matter where we go, they're going to be there. And you hear those U of A chants get fired up. You know, it's something special. And, and, and I'm proud to, to be the head coach at Arizona basketball. And there's not a, a day that goes by that I don't remind myself how fortunate I am. He said it before, not calling him a liar at all. 
but boy, is he a smart dude. <laughs> you say it like that, man, it's all of us. You know, they're one of us. Okay. Now, there's been plenty of times where Tommy Lloyd has ripped somebody. Hey, guys, you got to get off this, kid. blah, blah, blah. Okay, are, you, are they really one of you then? But, man, he's selling it hard, doing a good job. Um, last time the rivalry happened in Tucson, ASU had a game sandwiched right after it, which was kind of weird. Same thing now for U of A. The last road trip to Southern California, unless San Diego State ever joins or something like that, but the last road trip in a conference game to UCLA and USC is this weekend, or excuse me, is next weekend for both teams. But ASU has a whole week off. U of A has an Oregon game crammed in there. They don't have to travel. It's in Tucson, but it's just kind of weird the way that the Pac-12 has jerry-rigged the schedule. Why that that wasn't the last game of the year, I don't know. If it's a true rivalry, that's got to be the last game of the year. But no game for ASU for a week. U of A this weekend against Oregon, and then both teams go to Southern California. ASU is at Galen Center first, and U of A is at Pauley Pavilion first against UCLA on Thursday. All right, coming up next. Do a deep dive into Suns and their game tonight, some of the comments of Frank Vogel, and then real quick, a little bit of Diamondbacks as I went heavy D-backs yesterday. No combine talk today because it's still interviews of everybody that have happened until this morning. Defensive front sevens are in action today. I'm saying watch verse for Florida State. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. For your purposes, I'm talking sun, so I'll get to Vogel in just a minute. But I just looked over at Twitter during the break, and, and wow, this this really grabbed me a little bit. Dan Orlovsky just said on Get Up this morning that Drake May, that's the North Carolina quarterback, needs to be put on the Jordan Love plan. That means you sit for a year or two and then you aggressively move on from the quarterback that you've had and then you have uh, Drake May start in about year two, late in year two or year three. There's Carson Palmer who didn't play a snap his rookie year and then was named the starter after the year is over and took over. And they just switched with uh, John Kitna. Sorry, I blanked on his name. John Kitna was the starter and then boom, bam, John, you're the backup whether you wanted to be or not. Patrick Mahomes didn't start until week 17 in a game that didn't matter. The Chiefs already had their position in the playoffs locked up. And then boom, Pat, you're the guy year two. No questions asked. Everybody knew it. And and the reason why that interests me is a lot of times you don't do it that way when the guy is supposed to be a cerebral quarterback. Drake May is not a great athlete, but he's got the physical stature of a fantastic quarterback. And he's supposed to be a high football IQ guy. Normally, a high football IQ guy, you don't sit. You get him out there. 
and let him learn in his face. And it's interesting that he said that. Well, Merrill Hodge responded, who's actually a really good quarterback guy, even though he didn't play quarterback, and said wildly inconsistent and completely unathletic. That was his opinion of Drake May. So it's kind of interesting the way people are looking at that and, and to see if anybody agrees with that and whether that affects his draft status and how anybody uses them. Um, there's going to be a lot of people that get the quarterbacks wrong in this draft, a lot. And that includes some people that say, who's going to be great? For the record, I haven't stood on the table for anybody, for anybody. I think Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback in the draft, and I wouldn't draft him because I think they're going to break it. he's going to break in half. I'm too worried about that frame getting injured. From an athletic standpoint, an accuracy standpoint, a football standpoint, I think he's got everything. And I still wouldn't touch him because I don't think he's going to last. I don't at all think he's going to last. So why mess with it? Uh, get a get a, a, a different position. All right, let's go to Suns. Suns are finally in action. Long break from over the weekend. Played on Sunday. Nothing but practice Monday through Thursday morning. And now they're going to take on the Rockets tonight. Uh, Frank Gordon, give us uh, Frank Gordon. Frank Vogel, give us the update on Gordon and Bradley Beal. Yeah, he and Eric are both questionable. They're both going to uh, both participated today in the no contact stuff, and uh, we'll see how they respond tomorrow. I got to tell you, there's a there's a guy named Kellen Olson. He is a writer for I think it's called Empire of the Sun, and uh, he used to work at the uh, he used to come on the old show from time to time. He used to work at the sta- he still works at the station. And I always thought he hated me. Always thought he hated me. He was so nice to me last night. I saw him at the game and in the press room, he goes, Doug, hey, how are you doing? How's the podcast? How's your TV station? I thought that was really nice. And as we started talking, he started gushing about Bradley Beal, the person. I thought that was really neat. I'm sure it was like I admit to you, if he was telling me how terrible Bradley Beal was as a person, I wouldn't be telling you that because then I would consider it off the record. But since it was positive off the record stuff, I'll tell you about it. And Izzy, I'm sure you probably feel the same way because you've had a lot more interaction with Bradley Beal than I have. And but we both had interaction with him, you know, at the opening press conference when he came in. But Kellen Olson was just like really gushing of man, just get Bradley Beal healthy and they're gonna connect. He's too I mean, he was really positive. So even though we don't know about the player yet within this offense, do you feel the same way about the dude? Oh, yeah. I love when him and Grayson Allen go up for their press conferences because all they do is just smile. Like, they just <laughs> smile and speak positively. And just even outside of that, whenever you catch them, just walking. Yeah. They, they always greet you. And they're, they're always cool people. So, yeah, I agree. That's cool to hear from you. And I got to laugh that you threw in Grayson Allen there. I, I don't think I've ever been more wrong about a human being in my life. Oh, I know. Same. <laughs> in my entire life. Man, I thought that guy was the biggest jerk. And I thought he was a stiff. I thought, like, why? Are, he's still kind of stiff athletically. But he figures it out he is i i don't want to admit it i really like grayson yeah he's nice man he's nice (laughs) man is that weird uh here is uh frank vogel talking about what it's like to be the coach of 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 lebron james and what it's like to be the coach of a kevin durant for me it's just uh it's pretty surreal you know i never when i got into coaching in business coaching uh, the names that I've been able to, unfortunately, uh, to coach. Um, so I just try to stay humble with it and do the best I can, put them in, in positions uh, to win and making sure that the environment around them is is one that, um, you know, that allows them to be at their best and to win games. 
Now, since we're on the topic of being wrong, the next one is kind of fun. It's another question about Bull Bull. And if, if you're new to Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, full disclosure, I thought Bull Bull was a cute story. Put him in, get the fans route up a little bit, might hit a three and then come back and sit down. But what are you really contributing to winning? All right. It's it's fun. It's nice. Just too gangly. Just no, too much sideshow to me. And coming up at 8 o'clock today is the main event. And Steve McCollum, very early on, no, you don't see it. He does this, he does this. And I'm the whole time, eh, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Well, now it's more than just a sideshow. There are games they win because of Bowl Bowl. And Coach Vogel was asked about just the family and Bowl Bowl. And I think a lot of you know that Bowl's dad died when Bowl Bowl was very young. Former NBA player Manute Bowl. Tell us a story, Coach. Yeah, Manute was my first autograph I ever got in my life. He played in uh, against the Wildwood Aces in the USBL, I think the USBL. I forget, he was on Rhode Island. I was a little kid, and uh, he played a game, and it, my dad went to a restaurant uh, afterwards, and Bo was there. I asked for his autograph. I didn't even know what autograph was. My dad said, go get his autograph. He came over, and B-O-L. That's all he wrote. Great. Thanks. Very cool. So, yeah, I told Bobo that story, too. I mean, that's got to be fantastic. There was a high school friend of mine who was extremely athletic, uh, small college quarterback, uh, played varsity as a freshman kind of guy, who, just gut-wrenching story, dropped dead when he was like 24, 25 years old. I can't remember what it was. Heartbreaking story. Well, I went back home and his sister has opened a brewery. You know me. Hey, all right. Going to the brewery. And uh, her son was working there. And I went up, ordered a beer, talked to him for a little bit and said, yeah, I was at and 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 uh, my friend's dad is dead as well. And I got to talk to the young man and I said, yeah, I played basketball with your uncle and I was coached by your grandpa. And he's like, oh, really? Yeah. Hey, tell me a story. You know, and like all of a sudden, so I'm just meeting this dude and 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 the kids in college and yet there's a cool connection and it was really neat to hear frank tell that story and then say yeah very early on i told bull that story and i just thought hey that's that's partially probably why bull bull has played so well too you don't want to you know somebody that respects your dad like that you you have a connection it was a really cool story izzy i really appreciate you pulling that one um the next one is like okay it's not really second half of the season. It's go time. Where are we at, Coach? Yeah, I mean, we need every game right now. Um, and we got some heavyweights coming up on our schedule. But OKC is as good as anybody in the league, honestly. You know, I know Shade's getting a lot of MVP love. And he should be in that conversation for sure. He may win it. And um, the way coaches, uh, you know, doctoring up their uh, defense and their their offense is so hard to guard with how they're using Chet. Chet's been a you know phenomenal for them this year. Um, Jalen Williams has really come on. Giddy, Dor- like, I mean, this team is is deep. They got no holes. They can do it all. They they they're good on both sides of the ball, and um, you know it'll be a good challenge for us to see where we're at. You know, um, but we need every game. You know, the way the, the Western Conference standings are lining up. They take on Houston tonight. The reason why he's talking about OKC 
Grant, I've never studied everybody's schedule in the NBA, but I can't imagine this has ever happened in NBA history where you play three games and only four nights, but all three games are at home, but you only play two teams of the three games and four nights. Now, if that didn't make any sense, they take on Houston tonight. They're off tomorrow. They take on Houston on Saturday and then have a back-to-back and take on Oklahoma City on Sunday, all three games downtown Phoenix. That is very, very strange. Steve McCollum standing by. The main event is coming up at 8 o'clock uh, this morning. And, uh, boy, you've got you've got a lot with the combine going on today. Real-life players playing football in their pajamas. You've got U of A, ASU, and whatever that was last night. Yeah. Suns back in action. And the chance to lose 14 straight tonight for your Arizona Coyotes. Uh, it's going to be a blowout. I'd say like a 5-2 type ball game. Oh, wow, wow, wow. They went out and got, uh, you know what, the Coyotes, if they were smart, they went out to the Toronto nightclubs, uh, the Toronto uh, <laughs> just adult clubs. Just enjoyed themselves. And just, just had some fun last night before the slaughter today, you know. That's <laughs> yeah, what they should have done. Uh, I don't have even money on an Austin Matthews hat trick or, or anything because he did score two here at Tempe. Yeah. I don't know if the motivation is the same to put on a show when you're at well, home against your your hometown team. He's going to get at least one. Plus the trade rumors with Ingram back now. There's talk about trading. Uh, I call him V because of his last name. Yeah. Uh, the backup gold. I mean, the Coyotes. Here's the other thing. It's not a secret. The Coyotes are selling here coming up. Trade deadline's March 8th. That's got to be weighing on some of these guys as they're on this long road trip through Western Canada or Eastern Canada now uh, and uh, the East Coast there. So uh, this has got to be weighing on these guys as well. And then uh, with Keller's situation, right? Have we heard yeah. anything? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, which tells you it's bad. You know, that, that's a great point. You know, here's one thing that's interesting about what you said about Connor Ingram, and that is, I don't, it's almost like what price would you pay now that you know about Tom Brady? Okay, drafted number 199, <laughs> yeah. now what would you pay? Yeah. I, I almost look at it this way, and I'm not being, I'm being a little crazy. What would you pay to make a trade for a Coyotes goalie? Wherever you look around the league, mm-hmm. there are great Coyote goalers. Your, your Vegas Knights, yeah, I just Hill. Yeah. I, I absolutely, I, I, I hit the wrong button the other day yeah. on on, uh, on my iPad. Third round draft choice and by the Coyotes. Stats popped up. And the number one save yeah. percentage right now yeah. is Aiden Hill of Vegas. And it's he, like, holy crap. I and he's, he's not good, even considered the starter there. He's going to win the job come playoff time. Yeah. But he's not even considered the starter. Uh, yeah, Ky- I mean, right. Uh, they lost. Uh, I forgot. Oh, I just forgot his name. Then he won that cup with uh, Denver, right? Mm-hmm. With the Avalanche. Yep. Uh, and that's the thing. I mean, you can go They're all the way young. back to Dubnik when he yeah, went to Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy yeah. how many good goalies yeah. And Coyotes have come just give here. up on them. And they're like, oh, we don't want you anymore. See you later. And then they go have success. Yeah, elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's amazing how that... I will give him credit. Ingram wasn't supposed to be good. And look how he's kind of emerged this year as well, even though he just got injured. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, this, you know, this uh, either players are either... I have a feeling a lot of Coyotes players are excited to be on the trade block, uh, you know, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> well, they always put on a great face about mullet magic. And then the union always says, and I'm yeah. sure the union isn't lying on this one. Granted, unions sometimes will overinflate complaints yeah. against management. But I don't think they're lying when they always come out and say how upset the players are of having to well, play there. I don't know about this year. I don't think they've released it yet. But last year, they were paying extra money to the visiting teams before the lock 
locker rooms were built. Yes, they did. They were paying that, yep. extra money. But even after the locker rooms were built, they were basically uh, the Coyotes ownership had to pay extra money to the players that played there as almost like a oops, sorry, oh, we suck yeah. so bad. Here's extra money that you have to endure this. Right. Wow. Uh, and it's uh, and I, this year. We don't know if they're doing that, but I suspect they are. They'd have to yeah. be to, yeah. to try to keep it. But if they are, why is the NFL or NHLPA complaining so much about them? Right? Yeah, that, it's, it's an interesting little dynamic. I, I would, of course, <laughs> complain because I think they just want to get them out. But the, yeah, this well, time, Gary Bettman's right. But I, I don't know if he's about ready to give up. But you get so much money in an expansion fee. Mm-hmm. So if Kansas City comes in, mm-hmm. if somewhere else in Canada comes in, if uh, Houston comes mm-hmm. in, you get so much more money if you as you brought in Vegas and Seattle Absolutely. versus allowing an established team to yeah. move. Oh, Salt Lake's prepared. To, the owner of the Jazz is prepared to build a brand new arena for yep. the Jazz and a hockey team. And he's prepared to pay an expansion fee already. That is the only threat I see. But there are worse management teams in the NHL than the Coyotes. This is what people, Coyotes get a lot of the focus. But uh, Winnipeg Jets, they cannot get season ticket holders. They cannot find corporate sponsors. They are bleeding money left and right. Gary Bevin just went up there. Yeah. To say let's go. You better Auto, sell tickets. Ottawa's been bad. Now they have new ownership because the, the the guy that owned it died. His kids were terrible at it. They decided to sell it for a billion dollars, rightfully so. Uh, new ownership in there, so we'll see what they are. But there are terrible, terrible hockey teams worse than the Coyotes. The Coyotes' worst situation right now is they're playing a small arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're having million-dollar revenue games. They've had eight of them this year. And one of them was like $875,000 in revenue. They never had that in Glendale. Mm. They never had a million-dollar revenue game uh, in Glendale at all. So, uh, well, at least in the last few years, when they had that playoff run, maybe. But, um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, they're making revenue. So, the Coyotes are the least of the NHL's problems, folks. And people miss that. People don't understand that about it. They just think the Coyotes are the worst ownership, and they're not. Mm. I I admit, I didn't know that. I I didn't think they were the worst because I've seen other organizations. (sighs) But I'm not very high on them, I admit. Well, the Coyotes have two problems. One, they suck on the ice, uh, right? And then, two, they have a small arena, so they're easy to pick on. But, dude, three hours up the road, man, you got an owner that will spend whatever it takes to get a championship or a playoff team up there in Las Vegas, and that hurts you in the Phoenix market because it's easy for people like me to go, oh, I'll go to Vegas for, for a weekend and catch mm-hmm. a game. I'll go to Vegas on a Wednesday night and catch a game uh, and stuff like that, and that hurts them a lot, too. Now, I think I drive fast. Three hours. It's three hours from northern part of Phoenix. Wow. You haven't driven to Vegas recently, have you? Because um, they've expanded all those roads up up the. Uh, they're all two. It, it's a four it, lanes now. It would have been. About, it would have been ten. No, oh, I yeah. did it. After, yeah. I did it right after I got fired. So let's it's, say twenty twenty one. It's four and a half from my house, and it takes me an hour and a half to get up to like I seventeen and Carefree Highway wow. roughly. Where's uh, I eleven? Let's go. Right, but that, well, that's what they're Get building. That. So it's four lanes now. So remember how it used to be one lane all the yeah. way up to like Wiki up or whatever. Yeah. No, no, it's two lanes now. now I never really did quit. the drive when you're forced onto the Hoover Dam. Like I never did the drive when you're okay, forced yeah, onto the yeah. bridge. And that, or that takes off an hour yeah. too. Yeah. By the time I started doing that yeah. drive, the Tillman Bridge was already done, yeah. and uh, and and I was yeah. There. So it's I mean, and you drive fast. <laughs> I, do, I admit. I do. Well, yeah, but uh, you know, but yeah, three and a half hours from northern part of town. That's yeah. not bad at all. Um, what's coming up on the main event? Uh, look, we're going to talk about that report card. The interesting thing i heard you talking about it earlier uh the thing that i think people miss on this and i uh, could be wrong correct me if i'm wrong 
But just because you have bad ownership doesn't mean that you don't win in, in spite of that, right? It has no, The on-the-field has nothing to do with the other side because you brought up the Jaguars, how they're really good now. They're not the best team out there, oh, right? Yeah. The Vikings always rank up there. Last year, they were one. I think they're two this yeah. year. What do they do on the field? Yeah. So just because and then look how A's, bad the Chiefs' ownership yes, was rated, yes. and yet look at the product. So just because you have A's doesn't mean that your team is successful yep. at all out there. So I caution people on that side uh, there. We're going to delve into that a little bit and uh, – uh, you know, and I just have that perspective that I got out of it is mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's some good teams down at the bottom. And yep. Even the Steelers are down below. Yeah, that was that was yeah. a little bit of a shocker yeah. to me, the Steelers. Yeah, so it, it's like, man, so it's be careful what you wish for, right? I uh, can't wait to hear Dale on this. I'll tell you why in a second. I said that, and I am not the driver of the main event with Steve McCollum and Dale Hellstray. They talk about whatever they want, but what I want to hear from Dale today, what I'm interested in, is a J.J. Watt tweet yesterday, or a statement I think he made on Pat McAfee, and then it was brought up in a tweet, and he said there are only two votes that he gave a crap about and his teammates did, and it wasn't Pro Bowl. It wasn't Top 100. The thing J.J. Watt paid attention to was the vote for captains and the vote on this new NFLPA survey. Now, last year was the first survey. That was the first one. So I don't even know. I don't even think there was one when Dale Hellestray played. But I'm, I'm interested in their conversation. So make sure you stay tuned. Coming up 8 o'clock, the main event, Steve McCollum and Dale Hellestray. Because I really believe totally and steve are you talking oh i didn't know you're i didn't no, know you're, you're my mic off. what sorry, were you saying yeah, yeah go for oh, it i'm just gonna say the other thing i want to know is is what the superstars are voting and what the lower level players oh are yeah yeah because i'll bet you superstars get their way so they're probably gonna be more positive about oh, everything yeah. whereas the guys that are perennially on the cut and lower level guys that's something i'm gonna ask dale coming up yeah that's good he agrees with me on that's that. that's good so yeah sorry, you guys are gonna have a thing no i'm glad you did you guys are gonna have a good conversation on that so high recommended for something i don't know what's good going to happen, but I believe there's going to be great talk coming up on the main event on that, and I like what J.J. Watt said. Listen, captains is leadership. Who deserves it? And it's not always the best player. And then I actually judge that a lot as a fan and member of the media. Is the best player earning the captaincy? And then I like going around and asking guys, did you feel like you were supposed to vote for that guy? Like you had to? Yeah, I kind of had to. Or the coaches that derail the vote and kind of finagle it and act like, no, I am giving it to this guy because he doesn't want to deal with that guy being upset that he's not a captain. Or the story, because people like me immediately make it a story. Oh, you didn't vote this highly talented player as a leader, did you? And some coaches try to circumvent that. I I really am interested in captain's votes. And then I don't care about the top 100 because there's been too many times where it's like guys don't even know people. And J.J. Watt even said, I've seen people hand their vote to rookies. Here, rookie, figure, fill this out. <laughs> Except this new NFLPA survey. They care greatly about the NFLPA survey. And J.J. Watt took it totally seriously. So I'm really interested in what's coming up on the main event. All right, last night, not a good night. We went one and two last night. And, uh, I mean, it was it was close, but not good enough. I told you I really like Indiana coming up, uh, being able to cover for five and a half points against New Orleans with New Orleans on the back end of a back-to-back. Pacers won 123-114. So a nine-point win isn't enough for me to dance, but it's comfortable. So we get that game right. 
the game that was kind of a heartbreak for me, I I knew Tennessee would win, but I really thought the spread was too much. I thought Auburn would cover within that six and a half. They didn't. Tennessee won 92-84. I'm off by a point and a half. Close doesn't get you anything. Um, but so first of all, good job, Vegas. That's a pretty good line when you're off by a point and a half. But man, I thought Auburn would do a little bit better. Uh, connect just went off. By the way, if you don't know this guy, he's he's got a K-N, and people sometimes think the K is silent, and they call him Necked, and it's kind of a weird no. You pronounce the K and the N in his name. He went off last night on Auburn, and I didn't think he was going to be able to shoot like that against Auburn's defense, so I blew that one, and then the one I just dead got wrong, uh, St. Louis coming off a back-to-back in Edmonton. Uh, that game was 2-2. It felt like forever. And then Edmonton scored in overtime. So Edmonton did win. But I didn't like the money line juice. The money line juice was in the 200s. So I said, you know what? I think Edmonton's going to cover. I think they're going to get an empty netter in a close game and win like 4-2, 5-3, something like that. Nope. Tied up almost the whole way. Close throughout. And uh, and then Edmonton wins in overtime. So they get the win, but we get the loss. So I went 1-2 and two yesterday. Today, I only found two games that I like. Uh, Columbus is on the back end of a back-to-back flying from, I think they were in New York. I'm sorry, I kind of blanked on where they were, but they flew back home to Columbus to take on a very good Carolina Hurricane team. I think it's a bad matchup for the Blue Jackets, and they're on the back end of a back-to-back. Columbus is an easy city to fly into. Very short trip to the nicer hotels where a team would stay. Downtown arena. Simple travel for Carolina to get in. This sounds a little crazy, but sometimes your travel home is worse than your travel on the road, depending on the city. So the Blue Jackets players get in last night. Now they get into their own cars, and then they go home and come back that night while the Hurricanes, a better team, boom, hotel, wake up, morning skate, you're ready to go, easier travel. I really like Carolina tonight to cover the puck line, so I'll take Carolina minus the one and a half. And then Gonzaga has had a year this year that's not even remotely close to a Gonzaga type of season. But they're playing better near the end. One of the harder places to play in the West Coast Conference is San Francisco. Just because it's weird. It's a small little gym and it feels like it doesn't matter. And there's only like 200 people there. But the crowd gets kind of loud for a small group. So you come in thinking this doesn't matter. Then the crowd gets into it and you hear every single thing somebody says. So it's like more annoying than any other place to go. So therefore, I think Gonzaga is getting great. Great value because Vegas knows everything I just talked about. Gonzaga only has to cover three and a half. I think they're a lot better than USF. So I'm going to take GU minus the three and a half. So I have the Hurricanes and the Bulldogs both covering the spread. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Thanks a lot to everybody that's helped drive the Unplugged Army forward, and especially our newest sponsor. It's awesome. Starting next week is Santa. 
Montan Ford. They've got a couple really good deals on 0% financing right now, but there's always terms and conditions. So please check out, go to SantanFord.com and see if you can find the deal that's perfect for you. The original sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged is Bell's Nashville Kitchen. Great time to go. Great atmosphere around Bell's with spring training going on. And then there's, of course, the Nashville hot chicken sandwich, the best sandwich there is in the entire state of Arizona. As voted by a legitimate magazine, not just me making that up, even though I actually agree with it. Other places to eat, you can go to Burrito Express, seven locations on the east side. Best breakfast burrito you're ever going to get. And Rosati's and Trophy and Chandler, Rosati's, Ray and McQueen, only that location. And Trophy Bar on Queen Creek. Man, they have an incredible service. Dylan's one of the best young waitresses I've ever had. Yes, I actually get to know waitresses' names because I drink a lot, (laughs) for better or for worse. Thanks to Parker and Sons, too. The main event's up next. I'll see you tomorrow.